Welcome to Christmas Eve. So happy you'll join us. Let's start by singing Away in a Manger, whichever version you like. Here we go. Away in a manger, no crib for his bed, the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the heavens look down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. Becca, will you read from Luke for us tonight? And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give him unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said, and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, 
The shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things, and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Thank you, Beck. So, as we think about what Christmas means to us and what the sacrifice of Heavenly Father's only true Son, begotten Son, um, I hope we keep that spirit with us throughout the year. Um, are we wise men? Do we still seek Him? Do we make room for Him in our hearts or our inn? Um, I want to leave <clears throat> this December with a little offering from the littlest angel, one of my favorite stories. And um, as I'm reading it, I want you to think about what it, what it is that you would bring to Jesus. If you had no money or anything, what can we give him? And this is by Charles Taswell from 1939. Once upon a time, oh many, many years ago, as time is calculated by men, but which was only yesterday in the celestial calendar of heaven, there was in paradise a most miserable, thoroughly unhappy, an utterly dejected cherub who was known throughout heaven as the littlest angel. He was exactly four years, six months, five days, seven hours, and 42 minutes of age when he presented himself to the venerable gatekeeper and waited for admittance to the glorious kingdom of God. Standing defiantly, the littlest angel tried to pretend that he wasn't at all impressed by such unearthly splendor and that he wasn't at all afraid, but his lower lip trembled and a tear disgraced him by making a new furrow down his already tear-streaked face, coming to a precipitous <coughs> halt at the very tip of his small freckled nose. But that wasn't all. While the kindly gatekeeper was entering the name in his great book, the littlest angel, having left home as usual without a handkerchief, endeavored to hide the telltale evidence by snuffing a most unangelic sound, which so unnerved the good gatekeeper that he did something he'd never done before in all eternity. He blotted the page. From that moment on, the heavenly peace was never quite the same, and the littlest angel soon became the despair of all the heavenly host. His shrill, ear-splitting whistle resounded at all hours throughout the golden streets. It startled the patriarch prophets and disturbed their meditations. Yes, and on top of that, he inevitably sang off-key at singing practice of the heavenly choir, spoiling its ethereal effect. And being so small that it seemed to take him just twice as long as anyone else to get to nightly prayers, the littlest angel always arrived late and always knocked down everyone's wings askew as he darted into his place. Although these flaws in behavior might have been overlooked, the general appearance of the little angel was even more disreputable than his deportment. 
It was first whispered among the seraphim and cherubim, and then said aloud among the angels and archangels that he didn't even look like an angel. And they were all quite correct. He didn't. His halo was permanently tarnished where he held on to it with one hot little chubby hand when he ran, and he was always running. Furthermore, even when he stood very still and never behaved as a halo should, it was always slipping down over his right eye or over his left eye, or else just for pure meanness, slipping off the back of his head and rolling away down some golden street, just so he'd have to chase after it. Yes, and it must be here recorded that his wings were neither useful nor ornamental. All paradise held its breath when the littlest angel perched himself like an unhappy fledgling sparrow on the very edge of a gilded cloud and prepared to take off. He would teeter this way and that way, but after much coaxing and a few false starts, he would shut both of his eyes, hold his freckles nose, count up to 303, and then hurl himself slowly into space. However, owing to the regrettable fact that he always forgot to move his wings, the littlest angel always fell head over halo. It was also reported and never denied that whenever he was nervous, which was most of the time, he bit his wingtips. Now, Anyone can easily understand why the littlest angel would sooner or later have to be disciplined. And so on an eternal day of an eternal month in the year eternal, he was directed to present his small self before an angel of the peace. The littlest angel combed his hair, dusted his wings, and scrambled into an almost clean garment. And then with a heavy heart, trudged his way to the place of judgment. He tried to postpone the dreaded ordeal by loitering along the street of the guardian angels, pausing a few timeless moments to minutely inspect the long list of new arrivals, although all heaven knew that he couldn't actually read a word. And he idled more than several immortal moments to carefully examine a display of harps, although everyone in the celestial city knew that he couldn't play a note. But at length, and at last, he slowly approached a doorway, which was surmounted by a pair of golden scales, signifying that heavenly justice was dispensed within. To the littlest angel's great surprise, he heard a merry voice singing. The littlest angel removed his halo and breathed upon it heavily, then polished it upon his robe, a procedure which added nothing to his already untidy appearance, and then tiptoed in. The singer, who was known as the understanding angel, looked down at the small culprit, and the littlest angel instantly tried to make himself invisible by the ingenious process of withdrawing his head into his robe, very much like a snapping turtle. At that, the singer laughed. <laughs> a jolly heartwarming sound and said, Oh, so you're the one who's been making heaven so unheavenly. Come here, cherub, and tell me all about it. The littlest angel ventured a furtive look, first one eye and then the other eye. Suddenly, almost before he knew it, he was standing close to the understanding angel 
and was explaining how very difficult it was for a boy who suddenly finds himself transformed into an angel. Yes, and no matter what the archangel said, he'd only swung once. Well, twice. Oh, all right. Then he'd swung three times on the Golden Gates, but that was just for something to do. That was the whole trouble. There wasn't anything for a small angel to do, and he was very homesick. Not that paradise wasn't beautiful, but earth was beautiful too. Wasn't it created by God himself? Why, there were trees to climb and brooks to fish and caves to play at Pirate Chief. The swimming hole, the sun, the rain, dark and dawn and thick brown dust so soft and warm beneath your feet. The understanding angel smiled and in his eyes was a long forgotten memory of another small boy from long ago. Then he asked the littlest angel, what would make him most happy in paradise? <coughs> the cherub thought for a moment and whispered in his ear, there's a box. I left it under my bed back home. If only I could have that. The understanding angel nodded his head. You shall have it, he promised. And a fleet-winged heavenly messenger was instantly dispatched to bring the box to paradise. And then, in all those timeless days that followed, everyone wondered at the great change in the littlest angel. For among all the cherubs in God's kingdom, he was the most happy. His conduct was above the slightest reproach. His appearance was all that the most fastidious could wish for. And on excursions to Elysian fields, it could be said and truly said that he flew like an angel. Then it came to pass that Jesus, the son of God, was to be born to Mary in Bethlehem in Judea. And as the glorious tidings spread throughout paradise, all the angels rejoiced and their voices were lifted to herald the miracle of miracles, the coming of the Christ child. The angels and archangels the seraphim and cherubim, the gatekeeper, the wing maker, yes, and even the halo smith put aside their usual task to prepare their gifts for the blessed infant. All but the littlest angel. He sat himself down on the topmost step of the golden stairs and anxiously waited for inspiration. What could he give that would be most acceptable to the Son of God. At one time, he dreamed of composing a lyric hymn of adoration. But the littlest angel was woefully wanting in musical talent. Then he grew tremendously excited over writing a prayer, a prayer that would live forever in the hearts of men, because it would be the first prayer ever to be heard by the Christ child. But the littlest angel was lamentably lacking in literate skill. What, oh, what could a small angel give that would please the holy infant? The time of the miracle was very close at hand when the littlest angel at last decided on his gift. Then on that day of days, he proudly brought it from its hiding place behind a cloud and humbly, with downcast eyes, placed it before the throne of God. It was only a small, rough, unsightly box, 
that inside were all those wonderful things that even a child of God would treasure. A small, rough, unsightly box lying among all those other glorious gifts from the angels of paradise. Gifts of such rare and radiant talent, splendor, and breathless beauty that heaven and all the universe were lighted by the mere reflection of their glory. And when the littlest angel saw this, he suddenly knew that his gift to God's child was irreverent, and he devoutly wished he might reclaim his shabby gift. It was ugly. It was worthless. If only he could hide it away from the sight of God before it was even noticed. But it was too late. The hand of God moved slowly over all that bright array of shining gifts, then paused, then dropped, then came to rest on the lowly gift of the littlest angel. The littlest angel trembled as the box was opened, and there before the eyes of God and all his heavenly host was what he offered to the Christ child. And what was his gift to the blessed infant? Well, there was a butterfly with golden wings captured one bright summer day on the hills above Jerusalem and a sky blue egg from a bird's nest in the olive tree that stood to shade his mother's kitchen door. Yes, <coughs> two white stones that stood found on a muddy river bank where he and his friends had played like small brown beavers. And at the very bottom of the box, a limp tooth marked leather strap. Once worn as a collar by his mongrel dog, who had died as he had lived in absolute love and infinite devotion. The littlest angel wept, hot, bitter tears for now. He knew that instead of honoring the Son of God, he'd been most blasphemous. Why had he ever thought that that box was so wonderful? Why had he dreamed that such utterly useless things would be loved by the blessed infant? In frantic terror, he turned to run and hide from the divine wrath of the Heavenly Father. But he stumbled and fell. And with a horrified wail and a clatter of halo, rolled into a ball of misery to the very foot of the Heavenly Throne. There was an ominous and dreadful silence in the celestial city. A silence complete and undisturbed, save for the heartbroken sobbing of the littlest angel. Then suddenly, the voice of God, like divine music, rose and swelled throughout paradise. And the voice of God spoke, saying, Of all the gifts of all the angels, I find that this small box pleases me most. Its contents are of the earth and of men, and my son is born to be king of both. These are the things my son too will know and love and cherish, and then regretfully will leave behind when his task is done. I accept this gift in the name of the child Jesus, born of Mary this very night in Bethlehem. There was a breathless pause, and then the rough, unsightly box of the littlest angel began to glow with a bright unearthly light 
Then the light became a lustrous flame, and the flame became a radiant brilliance that blinded the eyes of even all the angels. None but the littlest angel saw it rise from its place before the throne of God. And he, and only he, watched it arch away from heaven and shed its clear, white, beckoning light over a stable where a child was born. There it shone on that night of miracles, and its light was reflected down the centuries deep in the heart of all mankind. Yet earthly eyes, blinded too by its splendor, could never know that the lowly gift of the littlest angel was what all men would call forever the shining star of Bethlehem. Happy birthday, Jesus.